Um, we have been going through the book of Hebrews, and we've been spending the entire summer kind of going chapter by chapter through the book of Hebrews. It's been great to be able to, to kind of look at something more in depth. And really, the book of Hebrews has been very challenging for me. It's got lots of interesting things. And this particular week, it's, it's, it's kind of starting to come to a close, and we will be uh, finishing up next Sunday, but the the challenge this week in Hebrews chapter 12 is really to live our lives extraordinarily different than what other people do. So, who uh, remembers kind of this story growing up? When I was a kid, this is kind of how it works, and this is a progression. We have some kids here in the room. They kind of understand that. Your relationship with your parents kind of goes through different phases, doesn't it? When you're young, and particularly when you, you know, you're really young, like preschool age, I remember looking up to my father uh, particularly and thinking, wow, he's so big and strong, and he could do anything. He could conquer the world. He could, he could leap tall buildings in a single bound. I mean, like when you're really little, you think that your father is like, a superhero. And my dad was like a pretty good softball player, so I'd go to his games and I'd watch him. And you know, after the game, I'd be there and I'd be like, yeah, nice double dad. That was awesome. And there's a point in time where you just think that your father is like a hero and is like can do no wrong and cannot get hurt in any way. And I remember the day that I realized that my father was able to get hurt. We were hanging out, and we were watching TV. My dad made a little fire in a, in a real fireplace. I know we don't allow those anymore in the world, but there used to be real fireplaces with real fire. And he made a real fire there, and he was sitting there, and he was kind of laying down by the fire. And I was, like, kind of laying down next to him, and I started, like, kind of just poking at him a little bit. You know? You know? That's what you do when you're like a five-year-old kid. And I was like just bothering him, trying to start a little wrestling match. And eventually, in the middle of the show, I jumped up and I think I jumped and I landed like right on his stomach. I jumped on his stomach and he just went, oh, and I think I knocked the wind out of him and he was like, oh, like, you know, at this point I'm big enough to actually hurt him. And he was like, all right, Tyler, you have to understand you can hurt people. You can hurt me. And I was like, I didn't realize before that moment that my father could get hurt because I, you know, he's just like the superhero. And then there's a point in time where you start to realize, and then maybe you're, you know, like when you're about 12 or 13, you start to realize how stupid your parents are. Oh, they're just so stupid. You know, why are they so stupid? Like, they just don't even know what they're talking about. And you're going around, and they're saying things, and they're just, they're dressing all door. Why do they get their shirts tucked in like that? And why do they look like that? And they're just like, oh, they're so dumb. And they don't even have a clue what's going on in the world. And you're just, like, looking at them like, stupid idiot. I jumped on your stomach and beat you up when I was five years old, you big wimp. And it's just like, you start to think about it kind of like, eh, whatever. And they tell you things and you're like, yeah, whatever, old man. You don't know anything. And uh, you kind of go through that time. And then, you know, you, you, you probably get about 16, 17, 18. And I remember the day when my dad dropped me off at college. 
And he dropped me off at college and he took me and walked me to my car and he said, you know, you're going to be you're going to be on your own now. And I remember that day going back to my dorm room and thinking, oh, I miss my dad, maybe for the first time in my life. And I missed him and said, wow, this went so quick and I'm never I'm out of the house. I'm off to college on my own. And I really like my parents help now. And I could use it. And you go through these kind of different phases in life. And you go through these times where you, you think they're invincible. You recognize that they're stupid. And then you come back and you're like, oh, I appreciate everything that you did. Thank you for directing me in the right direction. Thank you for telling me when I was an idiot and was going the wrong way. Thank you. And if you had good parents, you went through kind of that process. And it's really important, and the scripture talks about it, how these relationships and this kind of dynamic is really, really critical. And if we don't have kind of, kind of these disciplines and these structures in our life, it's really hard. And I'm so grateful and so thankful that I have good parents that help me out all the way through my life. And I'm so grateful and thankful that they're still part of my life. And it's really was critical for me. And, and the scripture is going to talk about today, like these things that sometimes, quite frankly, maybe we resist. And it's, it's these truths that, you know, that like... Maybe sometimes in the world, we are acting like those 13-year-olds that say, I don't want to have anything to do with God, your direction in my life. But the scripture is telling us that if you really, really want to understand and know how to thrive in life, you really have to do things differently. You really have to kind of push yourself. And there's some challenging words that it gives us in Hebrews Chapter 12. So let's let's go ahead and look. Hebrews 12. And we left off last week at verse 4. We're going to start in verse 4 and we're going to read the entire chapter, the rest of the chapter today. Next week, we're going to read chapter 13. And congratulations, you went through an entire book of the Bible, 13 chapters. Not bad, right? And then we'll move on to something else if you're getting bored with Hebrews. Okay, but we have some really good stuff uh, the next couple of weeks. So let's read it. It says this in verse 4. In your struggle against sin, if you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood, and if you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as your father addresses his son, it says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one's one he loves and he chastens that's a tough word to say everyone he accepts as his son endure hardship as discipline god is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline then you are not legitimate true sons and daughters at all Moreover, we have had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. 
Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Let's pause there and we'll come back. But like lots of things that it introduces here in this chapter and and it kind of picks up where we left off last week and just kind of telling us to push on, run the race. Make sure that you're you're doing everything you can to follow God. And it picks up by saying this statement that is troubling, but all of us need to come to grips with. The first thing it says is it says in your struggle against sin. That's the first line that we read today in your struggle against sin. And it's just kind of assuming and throwing out there that there will be a struggle that we have against sin. Let me just tell you, this is a really foundational point for the rest of the chapter. It's really a foundational point that we have to come to grips with as adults in this world. The the thing that we have to come to grips with is that there is a struggle against sin. An incredible struggle. An incredible thing that we're going to have to fight with and deal with. And that's the reality of this life. And the scripture always gives us reality. It always gives us the truth, even when it's a little bit uh, difficult and challenging. We'd much rather it say something like, you know what? You probably won't have to deal with like sin around you. In the culture, in your home, you won't have to deal with any of those things because you know what? Once you, once you accept God, everything's going to be easy. And you're like, no, it's saying in your struggle, this is a struggle. And understand that the scripture reiterates this over and over all the way throughout that sin is when we go against God's will. Sin is the cancer of society and our world. It's something that we personally, individually deal with and we deal with as a collective in our culture and in our world. And we look around us and we say, why do we have to struggle with all of this stuff? How come my neighbors are such... Annoying people. Do I really have to be a good neighbor to them? You know, things like this. We look around and we're like, this is a fight that we're in. And it's not good. And there's evil all around. And it's a struggle. And the scripture is telling us this is the reality of life on earth. This is the reality of uh, human beings being sinful. All around us. And our own sin. In our own lives. Is that there will be a struggle that we deal with. And this is the point that kind of we talk about often that is difficult to grasp. Why God is there evil in this world? Why is all their difficulty? Why all this stuff? Why all the hardship? And the scripture is saying here, there's sin in this world and there's going to be a big struggle against it. So, how do you deal with it? Um, There's always consequences with sin. There's always... Um, there's always people that are harmed. Sin always uh, destroys relationships. Sin always harms us in one way or another. And so that's something we need to know about. We need to really, really say, I hate sin and I'm fighting against it. But we need to know that it's going to be around us in our entire life. It's going to be something we struggle with. So how we deal with it is what kind of the chapter talks about. And it says in verse 7, it says, endure hardship as discipline. And it gives us these quotes from the book of Proverbs talking about, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart 
when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. And it's talking specifically about how God allows us to go through a lot of really difficult things. I do not believe, and I, I, I'm not smart enough to fully understand like the direct correlation between our actions and bad things going on around us. And some people do that like, hey, I did this, and so now like this is my consequence for that. I, that. That is really hard to figure out. What we need to know is there's sin all around us. There's other people around us that are sinning, and it's causing problems in our society and our world. And we are also sinners. And there's consequences of that. This is the struggle, generally, of sin. As a result of that, there's going to be lots of hardship in this world. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be bad relationships. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be violence we see in our country, in our society, and in our world. These are the consequences of sin. This is the struggle we're talking about. And God is saying, you, you're going to have to deal with some of this. And some of it... You're going to have to like kind of kind of learn to grow up and deal with it and have maybe some consequences for your sin. Or there's some things that are just kind of going to be a part of this world that you're going to have to learn to deal with. You're going to have to you're going to have to endure. But look at how different this approach is in Hebrews 12 than the way that we probably normally think about it. Is it saying view discipline is kind of, in a way, like a gift. Almost like something that is like a good thing. Now, this is, this, this is weird. And it gets into it in, in detail in the chapters. It's saying, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat it as if it's something that's going to build me up. I'm going to treat it as something that is an opportunity for growth. I'm going to endure that. And even as the chapter goes on, it talks about, you know what? Like, have joy even in these situations. It's saying, I'm going to be different. And you see the language that it uses through uh, verse 7 through 13 is it's talking about family uh, dynamics. And it's saying, think about it as a good parent taking care of their kids, and there's always going to be times where they have to deal with struggle and difficulty and hardship. And there's going to be times that they have to be corrected. And there's going to be times they have to endure. So treat it like that. Treat it like it's a good parent guiding you in your life. And you see what it says is that if you're not going through any of this, if there's no trials, no struggle, no like next step to get to in your life, like it doesn't Man, it's kind of like you're not really a child of God. If you're not continuing to grow and have challenges that you're facing, maybe you're not engaging that relationship deep enough. And it says, you know what? Fathers discipline their children and you respect it. And so if you're undergoing discipline or undergoing struggle or trial or or whatever it is, then... You know what? You are, you should know that you're a legitimate child of God. Okay? You ready? Um, this is, this is, there's a few like 12, 13 year olds in the room. Get ready for the uh, eye rolls about the stupid man up here. Uh, uh, but, but, okay, you ready? It's saying that you need to be legit. Too legit. Okay? All right. You, you, you need to be legit. That's what it says. It says, did you read it? It says, 
if you want to be a legit child of God, then you need to make sure that you're undergoing this discipline. So just like, you know, uh, the, the famous MC Hammer said, uh, and we all know and love, you know, the, 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 the wonderful guidance and wisdom of MC Hammer. Too legit. Too legit to quit. Hey, hey. <laughs> right? Everybody with me. Uh, too legit. No. Um, cue the eye rolls. Uh, but it says if you want to be a legitimate child of God, embrace the discipline that you're going to have to face. That is tough, isn't it? To say, it's okay. It's okay that I'm going through something difficult right now. It's okay that I'm struggling right now. It's okay that I'm like facing things that I haven't faced before. Because I believe that with God's help, I can endure and I can, I can be a deeper person. It's okay. I can embrace this moment right now. I know that I don't get it. I don't know why I'm going through it. But if I embrace it and I say, God, help me work through it on the other side, I'm going to respect it like a like a parent. And I'm going to appreciate it. And I'm going to know that God did something with that moment. And so it's saying endure hardship as discipline. View the difficult things that you're going through as an opportunity for me to kind of get my act together and to be legit. Too legit to quit, man. It's good stuff. Um, Verse 14. This is the era I grew up in. I should have wore my hammer pants today. I really should have wore my hammer pants today, right? In the fourth grade, I had hammer pants, pink shoelaces. And I had, like, lines in my hair to look like Brian Bob. I mean, I was legit um, in the fourth grade. Uh, and my dad was an idiot uh, in the fourth grade. All right. Live at peace with everyone. Verse 14, it says this. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. To be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he saw the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. This section here is talking about us living with peace Living at peace with everyone. And let's be clear. What sin is, is it's disrupting the peace. And that's why God gives us guidance. He says, follow this way. Because if you don't follow this way, you ruin your relationship with God. And you ruin your relationship with others. You disrupt the peace in the world. And so the scripture is telling us, be people of peace. First of all, get along with others. Be a person of peace. Try to reconcile. Try to make peace. Try to do all these things. But also, it's a challenge for us to be moral people. And it gives us the example of this character in the Old Testament that we don't have time to get into today. But this person who was Esau, who was rash and impulsive and gave up his entire birthright and his legacy, really, for a bowl of soup. Because he was just, he was just too impulsive and too rash and really is a picture of someone with no discipline whatsoever. 
is a picture of someone that did not allow difficult times in his life to shape him into something else. And he kind of lived this wild life of perpetual immaturity and, and never grew up. And never made peace with others. And always in conflict. Always fighting. All these things. Like listen. The scripture is telling us. Be people of peace. Be people that, that, that bring restoration to those you're around. Be morally uh, you know, upright. Follow God's law. Do things you know, in all of these moral decisions and ways where you're following God. And bringing peace around you. Not, not like discontent or not broken relationships. And it's really a challenge for us to really think about in our life, are we people that are like, that, that when other people are around us, we are encouraging them, we're bringing people back together, we're positive, we are demonstrating the love of Christ with our actions, with our attitude, with every encounter that we have with others. Or are we sowing bitterness, like it said, like a bitter root? Maybe I'm grumpy because I'm going through difficulty. I'm grumpy because I'm going through discipline. I'm grumpy with all these other things. And I want everybody to know about it. Instead saying, really living differently. Saying, no, I'm embracing the challenges I'm going through. And I'm going to be a person of peace. I'm going to be a person of, uh, of contentment in this way. And of high moral character. Continue on in verse 18. It says this. It says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storm. I know this is this is uh, this is a little confusing. We'll explain it in a second. It continues in verse 19. It says to a trumpet blast or such a voice speaking words uh, that those who hear it begged no further. I'm I'm getting lost here. All right. I'm going to try that over starting in the top of verse 19. To a trumpet blast, or to such a voice, speaking words that those who hear it begged that no further words would be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. That is a wrong sentence, my folk, my friends. All right, that's hard to read. Uh, the sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of righteousness made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Lots of stuff in there, and that could be confusing if you don't have kind of the context of the whole book that we've been in the last 11 weeks looking at it. Is it's talking about all the things that the nation of Israel has come through. That there was a point in time in the past where their relationship with God had a lot of fear that was involved. They were afraid. Because if they did things wrong or out of order, they had a fear of dying on the spot. And God emphasized in the Old Testament in many ways the holiness and sovereignty and power of God. But now, as it explained through the book of Hebrews, Jesus came and what was old, our relationship and connection with God, was kind of rebirthed into something new. A brand new covenant. A new way of thinking about it. That with Jesus, we approach 
God's throne. That through Jesus, he is our high priest. So let's kind of break this down of how it works within the context of all of this. Is it saying, yeah, you're going through a lot of stuff. You may have to endure discipline. You want to like live a holy life. Like keep fighting that faith. Keep following God. Keep doing this. Do you realize what incredible gift you've been given? That's what it's saying right here. That there was a time where people were terrified to even approach God. But now you walk right up into the presence of God with joyfulness. And you have an opportunity to be right there in a relationship with the creator of the universe. You should be overwhelmed with joy. There's been times where people were terrified of the thought of God. And, but now, God revealed himself through Jesus Christ and said, you're like a family member to me. You're, you, yeah, there's going to be discipline, hardship, things that you go through. But you are in a relationship with the creator of the universe. You can approach me. You can, we can parade directly. Jesus, be here with me. And the Bible tells us he walks with us. The spirit of God fills us up. We don't have to go and do sacrifices and things like this. We go and we walk into the presence of God and say, God, forgive me. And God is there. And we will, we will be his people and he will be our God. That's what the whole book of Hebrews is talking about. The profoundness of our relationship with God. It should fill us with joy. Instead of fear when we're going through difficult things. Or instead of be driven by, you know, if I don't do this right, there's going to be problems. I embrace and I recognize I have a relationship with my creator. He cares about me. He loves me. And he's guiding me like a good father in the direction I should go. I should embrace all of this with joy. And I should be overwhelmed and thankful that God loves me so much. Instead of taking the attitude as I'm angry and I'm upset because I'm going through all these things, we need to say, I should be filled with joy. The God of the universe is walking with me. And if I'm going through something tough, he's going to do something through it. And some, I'm going to be better on the other side of it. And so we should be filled with joy instead of fear and dread and, and doubt and all these things when we deal with a sinful world. When we deal with the own, our own sinfulness that we have to struggle with. It is a struggle. And there's times we look at God almost like that. Annoyed 13-year-old teenager and we say, what in the world is going on right here? What is going on in this world? And the scripture is telling us, just embrace it and trust God and keep fighting the faith, fighting the good fight. Keep following. Last week, the scripture kind of gave us a picture, an illustration of like running a race. And it's appropriate to, it, it continues on. Really, this passage, as I was kind of getting ready for it, I was reading some of the thoughts that other people had on it. And they're like, you know, chapter 11 is like talking about running a race. And chapter 12 is kind of like you're in a boxing match. And you're getting punched in the mouth. And how do you deal with that? And that's what life does feel like sometimes. Realize the God of the universe is with you. And it's you can come out the other side. Be filled with joy. 
instead of fear. Verse 25 says this. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? So it's just talking about, you know, being, being mindful and listening to guidance and wisdom. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words, once more, indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So it's at the conclusion of this chapter, it kind of says this, as it says, there's lots of things in this world that will be shaken and changed, and there's even references to prophetic things to come here in this little passage. And it's saying there's lots of things that may rise and fall. Nations will rise, nations will fall, there'll be trouble all around you, all of it will be shaken sometimes, but recognize and remember that there's a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and that's the kingdom of God. And it will not end. And it's something that will persevere and be thankful and in awe that the God of the universe has revealed this to you. Be thankful and be in awe and worship God because in joyfulness... You can endure hardship, and you can go through all of this. Our God is in control. So therefore, when we look at all of this, it says, be thankful and worship. And that should be our appropriate response, even when things go bad. If you want to really kind of be odd and stand out in a crowd, and I know that's what you're into, if you want to do that, if you want to live very differently, when you're going through really difficult things, uh, worship God and be joyful in that moment. Man, that is, that is a profoundly different thing than how most people react. Most people react when they go through difficulty, and they, it is hard, and they may get bitter, like it says. Worship God when you are in the midst of the most difficult time because you know something is deeper and something more. You know God is in control. You know that ultimately in the end, this is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I can worship God and praise him no matter what is going on in my life. Wow. That's different. That's a different reaction. I invite you to join me in prayer. And let's just bow our heads and let's think about maybe the ways that we have responded when we face difficulty. How have you reacted when you're going through really trials, temptations? You're going through things that are getting upended in your life. Of course, it's normal to have that emotional reaction. Of course, it's normal to be fearful. Of course, it's normal to do all those things. But, but think for a moment a little bit deeper about it. And cry out to God right now and say, God, when I'm going through difficulty, I'm going to embrace it as discipline. I'm going to trust you to make my feeble arms strong. 
I'm going to praise you in the good times and in the bad. And I'm going to put my hope and belief in what you asked me to do. And that you're in control beyond anything that's going on around me. God help me. So I invite you right now to cry out to God. Reflect on those moments that maybe you didn't respond in a good way or a positive way when you went through something hard. And say, God help me to endure. Help me. Help me to grow deeper. Help me to react differently than most people do. God help me to really be mature in the way I handle difficult things. Because I trust you. And I respect you. And I know in the end, if we endure, you're going to build me up and change me. Help me to grow. So cry out to God and offer your own prayers to God right now. Trusting him that no matter what you're going through, it's going to be okay. Okay.